Gwen was a real character. She was the wife. They have husbands and wives, like a lot of um, the animals do. People don't don't realise that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stolen Our Hearts, the podcast about ferrets and other exotic pets. Today, I'm talking with Billy from A Place of Peace Sanctuary. And you have to listen to her. She is just so dedicated to her cause, and she has so much inf- interesting information about animal society that most people don't get to witness because they treat their animals differently to how she does. Please stick around to the end to find out how you can help a place of peace sanctuary and all of their brumbies and cows and sheep and other animals that they are the custodians of. And don't forget to come and join the Stolen Our Hearts Facebook group. I have some good things coming up there. Hello, um, welcome to Stolen Our Hearts. What's your name and where are you from? I'm Billy Dean and I am the co-founder of a Place of Peace Animal Sanctuary. We're a farm animal and wild horse sanctuary and uh, we're based uh, outside Canberra in New South Wales, Australia. Hmm. <laughs> um, so what exactly, what kinds of animals are in your rescue that you have oh, right now? Well, we've got heaps. We've got geese. Um, and our beautiful one-legged goose who's been living in the house for about eight years just passed last night yesterday oh no yes and she was about 27 wow I didn't know goose lived that long no um, neither did I but she that's not normal she's no no I think it is I have a friend who's got a a pair um, of 28 year olds Wow. And uh, But we are we missing her terribly because she was such oh, a character bet. and we used to take her for a swim every day and then bring her in and um, over the last few few weeks um, she requested to come and watch TV with us because we were mm. decompressing over the holidays and, um, and we popped her in a box with towels <laughs> and everything and she was, we've got all these wildcats in the living room and okay. and a whole lot of senior dogs and um and there she was and she loved it mm. she was a real queen so we have we have uh, the other geese who live outside and um and then there's cows lots of cows lots of wild horses uh lots of uh goats and lots of sheep hmm. i would love to hear more about this goose first what was her name Oh, Gwen. Gwen was a real character. She was the wife. They have husbands and wives, like a lot of um, the animals do. People don't mm-hmm. don't realise that, but there are um, a lot of very bonded animals. Horses, for example, the stallions will uh, favour one mare and that will be his um, special friend and... <laughs> They're there forever. I've got a, a boy and a girl across the creek who I've had for 15 years and they've been together 15 years and they won't leave each other. It's beautiful. Mm. Um, nice. And there's a story that's come out of um, America with the Mustangs over there of a girl and a guy, a horse, who'd been separated for 17 years and uh, they did the rescue outfit over there did uh, a whole lot of um 
detective work and reunited them and it was absolutely beautiful and they're back and they're inseparable again Hmm. how did they know to that they needed to be put back together like were they acting distressed or no there's um one of the things about the wild horse uh situation is that there are a lot of photographers who absolutely adore them and they take Mm. photographs and then when the roundups or the trapping um, happen uh, there are rescues who will try and put families back together Mm. if if at all possible it's a really Mm. beautiful thing to do Uh, because they do Mm. they suffer they they grieve just like we do Mm. and uh, you know and often you'll see a stallion and you'll think, well, what's wrong with him? And he's grieving and he's alone. And it's the same with the geese. The geese were the same. Um, uh, Gwen had her accident after um, her mate Stripe died and he was he was exceptionally ancient and he kept coming to the door um, to alert us that, that things when things were happening. So oh, yeah. very intelligent, very intelligent and... Um, Anyway, he, he passed away and, and she was beside herself and she just didn't want to really live anymore and let herself get stepped on by a horse, Oh no. um, something that they never do. Um, and the horses don't usually step on them. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, that was, you know, there's usually a metaphysical reason, an emotional causation for these sorts of things. And, um, yeah, so she ended up uh, one-legged. Mm-hmm. And um, and to keep her safe, uh, we brought her into the house. And she's been living here for about eight years in the house. She's been living with us for 25 years. Mm-hmm. But for the last eight years, she's taken up a big part of our kitchen. <laughs> and, um, and we take her, you know, swimming every day for exercise and to see all her friends. Gosh. And um, she did have a new mate for a little bit mm-hmm. but um he moved on to uh younger more able uh geese um when she got to be much older so yeah she's mm-hmm. she was beautiful and she was just so sweet and uh i was just saying how it's you know, we're used to peeping over the stable door to see where she was or how she was or to refill her food or water or take her out for a swim or bring her back and and suddenly she's not there and there's this huge hole in the house now. I bet. How did, um, how did she interact with you in the house? Um, I've not really heard of people having geese inside before, so I'd love to know oh, well, how that went. Well, she was just fine. I mean, she couldn't, she couldn't walk. So, you know, we would make her comfortable on a little bed of towels. And, mm. and um, she was funny, though, because, you know, we'd br- take her out and bring her in for eight years. And and uh, whenever we were bringing her in, she'd squawk, <laughs> tell us that she didn't really enjoy being picked up. But it was interesting when um, the night before she, she passed, a couple of days before she passed, that's what gave me the head, heads up that she might mm. be fading. She was just, you know, loving being cuddled and, you know, we'd cuddle her and stroke her wings and 
mm. tell her how beautiful she was. I mean, that's how we interacted with her, and she she loved that. And and she, she we had a wildcat. We've got a wildcat living in in that part of the kitchen as well, <laughs> and he looked after her and he's actually really bereft as well. You know, he mm. he's been sitting on the stable door going. There's no one here to keep me company. So, yeah, big loss. Yeah, very big loss. I hate that. Um, So with these wildcats, how many-ish do you have? We have about 31 wildcats at the moment. Um, We did a big rescue. Um, Our local tip was closing down and the council were trapping all the cats there. There was a big colony of cats and just taking them to be euthanized and so we stepped in and said to the council we'll we'll take them we're a we're a charity and a rescue and um and we'll get them all dissexed and microchipped mm-hmm. and rehome them and then the fires hit and we didn't rehome them <laughs> so do they live with you permanently now yeah they will okay yeah, it was just too um it was too traumatic mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we just, it's enough trauma for anyone. So we'll just, we just, we just love them all. And they're in various stages. Uh, the one in, in the old part of the kitchen where Gwen was, he's, you know, he'll call for his, his uh, food. Um, he'll sniff your hand, but if you try mm-hmm. and pat him, he freaks out still. Yeah. Whereas some of the girls we've made a lot more, a lot more strides. So, and we've got one Tom, called Tom, <laughs> um, who just won't leave you alone, and he's um, he's you know, fully rehabilitated, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know he just loves sitting on you, and just like a normal cat, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's completely uh, snuggly now. <laughs> and there's others, you know, they. You know, there's just a couple of the guys who are still just a little standoffish. That's all. And they're older and they're not mm. quite used to it, but they're coming around. They sound like they're going pretty well, actually. Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. There's there's no one who we would think is, you know, not going to fully adapt. It just takes them a, a bit of time and and uh, you mm. just need to be patient and they're, they're all good. And especially when... When they see other cats, I think, um, you know, we've actually had a lot around on our property too and we trap them and bring them in. And when they see mm-hmm. that there's other cats and they see, you know, our really cuddly cats having cuddles and things, well, it takes <laughs> takes all the stress right off them. And you can see it. And then they go, oh, you're not, you're not going to hurt me because mm. I can see those cats. Having um, a good time. Yeah, mm. Having a great time. And... Uh, and so that really helps them with their rehabilitation. Mm. So yeah, it's um, I don't know they're great. They're great animals, <laughs> all of them. Would you, you know, recommend we... people um, pick up? Um, I'll call them stray cats and um, or wild cats rather, and rehabilitate them at home. Is that something that you oh, think people should be doing? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I don't. I don't really. I know it's not always possible, but the um you know the trap dissects and then release, yeah. release um i i prefer to see them if possible taken mm-hmm. in and cared for because 
what you know our experience and like I said we've got 31 now um, and we've been doing it for a long time um, our experience is when they come in and they you know they're enjoying being fed regularly and being cozy and warm and out of the rain and out of the cold uh, you put a heater in front of them and they're like oh <laughs> you know this is luxury <laughs> they don't want to go back out mm. they really so don't. yours are house cats now or they're all house cats wow. and uh, they will have an enclosure where um, raising funds to build an enclosure mm. for them outside but um you know That's in the great. meantime they're they're all in and they love it and when they did we had a couple a mother daughter escape outside they took one look saw some sheep and came <laughs> running back in and went back into their enclosure and i'm going well you're, you're you don't need an enclosure now but thank you because they felt safe there you know and yeah they felt wonderful. cozy there so hmm. but anyway yeah so yeah. they yeah they just don't want to be you know they they like to be to feel safe mm. and um and yeah i wish it was a gift that they would all uh be able to receive and i know that some of them are, are more tough than others or they appear to be but um in, in in our experience we've found that they all respond to love and care that's good yeah because i think lots of them get um what's it called like like um not ignored but like they get society thinks that there's no chance for them to ever um be pets so yeah. oh no well that's that's totally wrong yeah okay <laughs> no i think that you know, I mean, they're beautiful. They're just, they're just cats, and it, it really, it just takes patience. And and like we, we keep them in an enclosure, and that makes them feel safe. And they, they learn to use the toilet there. They learn that they're going to get a nice soft blanket and be really cozy. And they get food every day. And then, you know, we can start to handle them, and and they don't mind because at first they're scared. Yeah, of course. Um, but then, you know, they don't mind and you start to stroke them and and they're calming down and they still feel safe in this enclosure. And then they can come out and they start wandering around and they'll go back if they want or not. Like Tom, Tom doesn't want to be <laughs> in an enclosure. He, um, he, he's definitely a full-on house cat now um and and there's others like that too but uh it's just a step-by-step -step process and it's worked for every single one that we've had so and it doesn't matter how long they've been out in the wild we've got one who arrived just before the fires in 2019 and um gave birth um just around the house here so we were feeding her and i didn't have a trap then um uh and the and we had fires here for two months yeah um, it was yeah it was pretty horrible <laughs> and um we've got uh we've got a fairly large property and we've got another hay shed which was in the fire area and mm. um and she moved all her kittens up there um after a big, there was a big storm. Oh, it, it was hell. There was 
storms and wind and <laughs> um, mm. a snake around. How'd you go with the fires? Um, how was your, how'd your rescue get through that? Oh, uh, we got burned. Okay. Um, we, the, the fire started in a forest right next door to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the boundary and, um, it started by lightning and, uh, is under the jurisdiction of um, New South Wales Parks and Wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing happened. And so the fire just got bigger and bigger. And um, on day three, it was just about to come over the hill to mm-hmm. onto our place. And we had all our fireys here. Um, and, uh, but by the time after three days of growing, and I, I don't know if you're aware, but we've been in a terrible drought for three years, so everything was tinder dry. And, um, and yeah, it, it exploded. And mm. we were told, get out, get out. It's exploding. It's creating its own weather. That's not the, that's not the sea breeze <laughs> that you can oh. feel. <laughs> and it was this huge wind, and uh, it was pretty frightening. Um my daughter um, took the domestic animals. We had a friend come down and get the cats who we'd only just rescued from the tip. Mm-hmm. And so they were still in enclosures at the time. Um, so she took them and uh, the rest of the animals we'd um, prepared sort of paddocks for, like had dead paddocks, mm-hmm. absolutely dead paddocks where I knew they'd be safe. And um, and sure enough, the fire stopped right on the dead paddocks mm. um, where we'd just eaten it to nothing. Um, and, and they were fine. So all the animals Mostly. were fine except for the wildlife coming out yeah. of the forest. And that was really, that was really heartbreaking mm-hmm. um, where, like I said, we're right on the boundary and like part of our property is forest and um and I had a fence that was always down and I didn't ever want to put it up um but it was meant to be up but I'm really glad it was down um because they all survived by coming through there and uh we had dams up the back so they were all running to the dam and uh we immediately you know, we were, I mean, there was nothing to eat because of the mm. drought. So we went and we were feeding everybody. And every time we saw a kangaroo or a wombat or some other being, we would put out a food station. Mm-hmm. So um, we were putting out food stations everywhere. And there was one area where I'd started feeding the wildlife because I could see that they didn't have anything to eat either. Um and what was really interesting and actually a bit of a miracle is that it burnt like a, it was a little clear area, not very big, with a whole lot of large old gums all around it. Mm-hmm. And that entire area got burnt except for this little clearing where I've been putting out food. Mm. And so the animals all came there and every night we'd go up and that all chase the car and <laughs> and follow us up and and it was really um it's I, it's a really deep 
connection that you get, uh, a really incredible heart-opening experience. Um, and, I mean, they were all sh- as shocked as we were mm. and you could see it on their faces and, and, um, and we had several places where we would be putting out food and it would all be gone um, and we just kept putting it out and putting it out and putting it out um, every night and replenishing um and you got to know them I there was a you know a few wombats who lived near the hay shed and they were they you know they would come up to the car and and, and there was one called we called um you know big mama <laughs> she had a little baby and she'd growl at all the other wombats and tell them to go away she wanted all the food you know? <laughs> and um there was a little wallaby who would um you know no matter where she was she would she would see the car and she'd <laughs> she'd uh, escape uh sort of chase us and uh come up and that was really beautiful so mm-hmm. you know there was all kinds of animals survived and uh, and still live here we've got heaps of heaps more kangaroos than we had before and what was really beautiful is um, while the back area all got burnt, the main sanctuary um, was left alone. And when the fire guys told us to leave, um, my husband didn't. Um, he stayed at the house um, mm-hmm. and we had, um, you know, b- b- because like if a fire was going to come, he was going to um, cut fences and... Um, just make sure everyone could get out yeah and run Mm -hmm. um and uh and I had I had the ute with a couple of sheep who were really not well and I knew they wouldn't be able to run so we stuck them in the ute and I had a couple of dogs that our daughter couldn't fit in the car um and I drove through a wild horse paddock and my main boy from the um, snowy mountains was there uh, with his herd and he was completely at peace and when I drove through I could feel the peace and I just went we're not going to get burnt we're not we're not going to lose the animals which I just know because he is telling me that we're okay and so I didn't leave I just went up to the um, gate where I could um I could watch and um, and I also had phone reception and so that I could keep keep in contact with Andrew and um, and just keep these sheep away you know as much as possible but you know after a while I just went back and you know I kept saying to Andrew what's happening he said oh, I don't know there's too much smoke I can't see mm. <laughs> but um, what happened was that uh, we became at this little island. Um, yeah, a little oasis thing. Yeah, a little yeah. oasis. And and the fire went left and just took out all the bush and went right yeah. and took out all the bush and and nobody was expecting that to happen. And people got caught and some neighbours up the road lost their home and we mm. didn't know if um, another neighbour was safe or not, but they were miraculously um 
say if everyone was suddenly told you have, you have to leave I mean we had no idea it was just and then suddenly we were in a disaster zone and the whole thing was you know um, continued on for two whole months with us yeah. um, you know just uh, putting out spot fires and listening to the radio um, the local radio station did a, a great service just keeping everyone up to date because the apps the fire near me app was just overwhelmed and couldn't tell people where the next fire was and you know we'd we'd be out there sensing the wind and 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 I can remember thinking you know how did they what were the coping me mechanisms that people in World War Two used mm. because this is exactly the same you know we don't know when the bomb's going to hit and uh, you know everyone's listening to the radio and um you'd go into town and everyone had shocked faces and they didn't know, you know, they'd be evacuated several times mm -hmm. and then be told, oh, you can go home now and then evacuated again. So, yeah, it was a... Very scary. It should have been put out and I will go on record as saying it should have been put out and it wasn't and that was a failure and I don't understand why they didn't put it out but um, it was under... Um, New South Wales Parks and Wildlife and they didn't put it out and mm. I don't understand why and apparently they told our fire guys that it was all under control yeah. and then we were in a disaster for two months so it wasn't so I don't understand that that seems no. like um, it shouldn't have happened and our fire guys will never ever 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 again take advice from them mm-hmm and uh, if we ever get a fire again, they'll go in and just disregard them yeah. because we never want to go through that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was terrifying. Even from the city, like just watching it was terrifying. Yeah, it, mm. it's not fun. And no, to, see, fun. to see the wildlife coming out and I was so pleased. Anybody who survived, I was just so pleased to see and I'd be going, hey, I've got some hay, I've got some horse nuts here. Have they, I've got some water because there was no water. Um, mm. So, yeah, it was, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we just set up and, and I'd go visit them and all the kangaroos would be waiting and they knew, and when you form relationships with them, they all these wild animals, you'd be forming relationships with them and it, it was really beautiful and as well as these wildcats and it, it just gave you a lift. The Missy and her kittens <laughs> just gave me a lift and you know when they moved up the back it was actually oh it, it was really healing because I'd have all the food and everything and I'd go and say hello and they'd all be running around and it'd be you know you know how cute kittens are yeah <laughs> and um you know and they were beautiful and and during all that dark time there was this light that they were and they would be running around and having fun and then you'd see them all eating the food that you'd left out and she was completely <laughs> dependent on food that we left out and and um and then i remember i was feeding the horses down here thinking oh i miss them you know they've disappeared again mm. and i miss them and suddenly they showed up in that paddock and mm. um and then finally we were able to trap all of them and um and now they i mean missy's completely tame and 
all her kittens are tame and mm-hmm. and she had three lots of kittens and we caught Gosh. all of them. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, that's that was uh, heartwarming in amongst a disaster. Yeah, very. Um, different topic now, but I was going to ask, do you have any volunteers that help you or is it just you and your husband? Um, my husband and our daughter, uh, we're the only ones here. We um, were doing volunteer days and having working bees and things, but um, all the flooding that we've had since the fires and, and COVID mm-hmm. kind of um, put a bit of a spanner. We've had one working bee in the last two years um, and it, it's it's actually really hard. Oh, we, uh, we've had a, you know a couple of people come up just on their own to help out every now and again, but um, it's it's actually been really hard to organise things because it seems to flood every weekend, oh. <laughs> and um, we've got a we've got a um, a bridge that you know, goes underwater and our place has a creek and and so here at the house we actually become an island. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband used to, um, when it first started happening, he would go across the creek and um, before it flooded so that he could look after the animals on that side of the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we've got some grass so they're looking after themselves. So that's that's good. But... And, and we're not having, like we had a week of rain um, at one point, so he couldn't get back for a week. Um, wow. But. You need to uh, invest in a boat. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was um, uh. a boat or something. You know, a big, tall bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's you know, we, we're actually just so grateful for the rain and, and to have grass. I've never had a, a season like this in the 25 years we've been here. It's, um, we feel really blessed. And um, since the fires and all the horrible winds and everything that we've had, that we had around that time, dust storms and, oh, you know, it was, mm-hmm. just, it was just like, oh, you know, give me another one. <laughs> what else is going to happen? Um, but... Uh, since then, you know the the rain's been really gentle, and the the paddocks flood, and we get bogged all the time, and we get cut off all the time. But uh, that's nothing compared to droughts and fires, and so we don't we don't really care. So yeah, so mm-hmm. the answer to your question is, um, normally we would have working bees. Um, it's just been a bit unsettled. Mm. Um, lately and we're hoping that this year we'll have a return because there's lots of things to do because all the flooding has kind of destroyed all our fencing so you know it's really really good when we can just get in with a group of people and just fix things and mm-hmm. get things <coughs> done and um, mm. otherwise you you really are uh, it, it makes it hard when you're on your own because there's so much to do yeah, that's just what I was thinking, though, because you've got so many animals. If it's just the three of you, that's very tricky. Yeah. Well, it is, but we're we're a very wild sanctuary. It's not like they're all in captivity. Yeah, in farms. So, yeah. yeah, so 
like we we like to feed them and mm -hmm. that takes time but you know unless they're sick um most of them are just um out in really big paddocks and uh living with their uh, natural society mm. and um and then uh, we observe that society and we've learned a lot and um one of the jobs of our charity is to share that information so that animals can get a better deal because a lot of people um, don't have the experiences that we do they don't have the um you know the the benefit or the ability to get to know these um, beings mm. and for Stuff example in the cities we don't know no no well you don't and and like i've been around horses for six since i was six and um you know i've been rescuing horses for over 30 years um but it wasn't until i rescued the wild horses that i really got another aha mm -hmm. and it completely changed my view of what horses are because when they're living in the wild, that's that's how they're really meant to be. And for a long time, I'd been feeling uncomfortable about riding and feeling uncomfortable about putting, you know, leather, which is dead animal, on top of a living being. Um, I'd been feeling uncomfortable about all those things. And there's been studies um, now coming out about how much it hurts their backs and all that sort of stuff. And I'd find that a lot of the racehorses that we took in were all needed so much massage and we used to have um you know groups come down and just tend these poor thoroughbreds um who were just messes and and we'd just turn them out and let them be and people would keep saying how peaceful this place was um and i can remember when we first started we had about 24 horses and you know this woman came up and said oh you know it's really bad that you're not using the horses really bad and then I took okay. her for a walk and um and she met a whole herd of horses just coming across the creek just splashing across the creek very natural and she turned around to me and said I apologize they're <laughs> really happy you know they're so happy and they're so peaceful and mm. um and that's and that's our gay our our um, our goal um is to have them living as free and natural as possible so there's no pressure on them we're not you know getting these horses to um, conform to a human uh, way of life we don't want them to you know we don't train them we don't break them in um, mm. we don't do anything but uh, like the boys in order to get them gelded uh, it's really gentle we just get their trust by feeding them mm -hmm. and standing there you know and allow and proving to them that we're not going to hurt them and proving to them that um we're safe and um, trustworthy and so it's all about them not about us um and you know then you know we uh eventually all the vet um, needs is you know a halter on them and to be able to walk them around a little bit and you know when you chunk it all down and just do it really 
gently and take your time and get to know them and build trust it's so easy and it's so it's not stressful and but their their society is yeah i'd love to hear more about the societies yeah it's it's really interesting that like i was saying to you before with the wild horses they bond very deeply they're family very very family oriented okay um what does their family consist of is it like well, a stallion have, and many mares or um, and one favourite mare? Stallion has one favourite mare um, or two. Mm-hmm. But normally out of the two, there'll be one main mare. Um, uh, they might have uh, – uh, they'll if they feel like uh, one of their sons – at one or two years old is going to be a threat. <laughs> they'll push them out um, and they'll go and join a bachelor herd. Um, and sometimes that can be traumatic if there's no other animals around. But one of the beautiful things, I mean, we've got a bachelor herd and they're waiting for the vet, but I wanted to do some work with them before the vet came because I wanted to teach people about bachelors and tell their stories and um, what's beautiful is I had another little boy um, kicked out of the herd mm-hmm. and and the girls will get kicked out too that's interesting yeah they'll be told to you know go not all of them but they'll find that until they bond with other horses they'll find that a bit traumatic as well but the other side of it is that there'll be, um, you know, these stallions who will, you know, who aren't the main stallion who will look after the babies and sometimes the stallion will look after the babies and, you know, give the mother a break and the younger kids will find each other and play with each other and, you know, you should see them when they first, you know, at first they really stuck to their mother's sides and then suddenly they'll get to an age where they'll start looking around and there's somebody their size and they'll (laughs) trot up to them and play with them and then there's, you know, I've got one guy who plays with his younger brother and just keeps him company and and then when his sister got um, stuck on on the wrong side of a fence, he went and... um, just kept her company like just a really amazing intelligent family member and, mm. and that's the sort of stuff that that I've been taken with and, and with this little one when he got um when he got kicked out uh I said to um one of the bachelors you know Michael Michael you've got to get peace he's feeling really bad and you've got to take him under your wing and he did (coughs) and he went down and he uh, collected peace brought him into the herd and then uh, I watched I observed him protect peace these two boys protect peace and peace had just had to go in between them from another male who uh, was trying to hunt him out Mm -hmm just amazing just amazing and uh, 
the heart exchange that I had with Michael that day was just overwhelming. They've got huge hearts, these wild horses, and they they do they do a thing called coherence, heart coherence, where yeah. they all you can you can feel the they all get into the same heartbeat, and so when one is you know puts their head up or gets worried about something, then they can all be alert. But they'll also do an exchange with you if you're heard. And so what they've done for us is accepted us as herd. And so I can be around, you know, a, a bachelor herd. So sorry about that. Okay. Please continue. That's okay. I was saying that um, that uh, they accepted me as herd so I can be amongst them um, and, and people have this idea that wild stallions are aggressive and nasty and this sort of thing and really they're not <coughs> unless you're threatening. Sorry, I don't know why I'm suddenly doing that. It better not be COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not. I'm sure, sure it's not. <laughs> okay. uh, so sorry, except you as hurt. That's okay. Anyway. What I'm saying is wild stallions aren't, if they trust you, they're not, um, they're not aggressive. But if, I mean, obviously just like us, they're going to get defensive and protective if you're going to um, hurt their foals or their mares. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we've never had any problems with that. Um, the mothers are incredible. You hear about <coughs> I'm so sorry. Hopefully I'm better now. Oh, feel better? I hope so. <laughs> right. Okay, sorry. Well, we're talking about Bromby stories and yes. um, just how amazing they are uh, and how much I've learnt um, about equines by observing them and, you know, rescuing we've with rescued them been rescuing them for 15 years so um what got you I've started had... on that pardon what got you started on rescuing um brumbies the brumbies mm. i was invited to film um some brumbies being trapped and then what they wanted to do was um take them to a natural horse trainer or the natural horse trainer came out into the wild and was doing some work with them um but they were doing a natural horsemanship thing called join up um which i'm very familiar with but i don't like it um and this little wild stallion really wasn't coping and so i said look you know he's never going to make a kid's pony he doesn't want to be a kid's pony um i've got a sanctuary i'll take him Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up with all all the brumbies that they hey, trapped, <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> and um, and they were so delightful um, that um, when someone was organising some um, brumbies that had been trapped at um, 
Kosciuszko National Park, I put my hand up and I said, uh, I'll take a truckload. In, in fact, <laughs> actually, it was um, it was actually more interesting than that. Um, I had a, a horse come to me in a dream and say, my name is Merlin and I need to come to your place with my family. <laughs> and so I ended up ringing the ranger at the time. This was a long time ago. Um, and, and saying, I will take a stallion and a truckload. Um, mm -hmm. and don't, don't leave any, you know, anybody who's straggling if there's, um, you know, my idea is to take a family, wh whoever's mm -hmm. wandered into the trap, I'll take. And so they turned up and, and he was amazing. I mean, oh my goodness. He was just so amazing. Our place is pretty old and, you know, the, the truck backed up to the ramp and mm -hmm. he came out backwards and went straight through the ramp because it was an old wooden one. <laughs> he didn't bat an eyelid. He just um, kept going and ended up in our yards. And our yards, like I said, they're old. They're beautiful old wooden rails with a tree and shade and grass and just lovely old things. And, um, you know, the truck driver was freaking out. How am I going to get them out now? And he drove around and they were all terrified in this um in this truck and merlin called to them and at his call they all came out <laughs> and it was like he said yeah we're at the right place i had to check it out first <laughs> and he he was so calm and you know we um, you know, they've just, and like I said, we've never, you know, we'll handle the boys, um, and, you know, to, to get them gelded, but most of the time, you know, you, we just leave them to be, they do their own hooves by, we put them, we put them up in the mountain to trim off their hooves and they do that naturally. Mm. Um, if they're sick. Um, they'll let me in because I'm heard. Um, so, you know, if they get colic or something, they'll let me in and I'll, I'll work with them um, energetically and with, um, you know, homeopathy and herbs and well, mostly homeopathy and oils, really, and with my <coughs> voice. And, um, yeah. And we, we don't normally have a problem with them. They're, they're, just, they're just amazing. We had one domestic rescue. Here's another story. Oh, thanks. The, we've got one who we call Goldie who's absolutely beautiful. And after he got gilded, we popped him over with our um, other, uh, other, other Brumbies. And... Um, and Finn, the first little one that I, I rescued, was deeply in love with cinnamon. <laughs> and and um, Goldie just went in and took cinnamon. Yeah. And I've never seen <clears throat> Finn look so despondent. He was just absolutely devastated that this young upstart had come and taken his mare. 
um, his wife, his beloved. And so I said to Goldie, well, this, this can't do. So how about I've just taken on a couple of domestic rescues um, and they need a friend and a boy to take care of them. So why don't you um, take care of them? And he understood every word I said. And the next day he was waiting at the gate just by himself with no one else there. And he, no strings, he followed us all the way down to the other end of the property where these girls were. And um, he went in and became their herd mate. Mm -hmm. um, he was very happy. And uh, then we, one of them, they'd been neglected for a very long time and one of them um, didn't make it. She was looking really good, but... Um, you know, we got a shiny and glossy. I was really surprised, but she, she passed away. Mm. Um, and her mate was there. And I, I left the gate open so that Goldie could come in or she could go to him. And because I'd had the sick, I'd had her with the sick one, um, because you don't leave anybody, you know, alone and they were mates. Um, and it was so beautiful. He came in. They both looked at the dead body. Mm -hmm. He put his arm around her virtually. It was just like that. And then he steered her out to a bigger herd. Mm -hmm. And she's been with that herd ever since. And he absolutely adores her and um, dotes on her, even though um, she was so neglected. She's got really bad confirmation uh, is pigeon-toed and her hooves mm -hmm. were terrible. It's taken our farrier um, three years to get her right and she gets oh. farriered every six weeks. <clears throat> um, and she'll never be she'll never be right. I'm just glad that she's here. Um, and she's shiny and glossy and enjoying life and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if she's pigeon-toed or not. I don't care. Yeah. And we've had you know, equine healers here to help her, but she's just, you know, she was neglected for a very long time and, and she was probably born with bad confirmation, but um, but she's beautiful and she's part of this herd and they're really happy together. And But it was just so beautiful the way he took her under his wing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I mean. That's what people don't understand about these amazing beings. They just... <coughs> There's so much society there. There's so much caring and there's so much law, you know, mm. um, and and we've learnt so much to see how they care. I had um, a young girl get cast um, at the fence and she's she was around the house at the time um, uh, and... You know, we had to rope her legs and, and pull her over so that she could get up. And there's a way to do the rope so that they can get out. But uh, one of the ropes was stuck on her leg. And um, and anyway, they sh she raced off. Her entire family on the other side of the fence came to make sure she was okay. <clears throat> and... Um, <coughs> even though she'd been chucked out of the herd um, for her own protection, um, 
she, you know, her mother was just standing there watching her, watching her, watching her, watching her. And, um, and it wasn't until, actually it was really interesting. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to get the rope off and, and she, <coughs> but, but we had two other horses and one of them is very wild um, in the, and you've, you've got to be careful that they don't rank you. You've just got to be watching and be being careful because if they, you know, push through, you know, they, they often, you know, they're not going to see you or they're not going to realise that you're not a horse <laughs> and knock <laughs> you over. And um, so <coughs> just being really wary. Um, and Andrew went and got some hay so that we could get the other two out of the way a little bit and occupy them and so that we could get this rope off this girl's leg and you know I was just running my hand down her leg and and she'd lift it up and I'd lift my hand up and then Andrew went to get some more hay and I just leaned into her and gave her this great big hug and I'm an animal communicator and she turned around and she said oh it's so much better when you don't think <laughs> and then we got the we got the rope off with no problem <laughs> but it was just great when you don't think what a great it's just yeah okay thank you point taken <laughs> so yeah so you know and then as soon as we got the rope off you could see her mum in the distance just um turned around and started grazing and <laughs> but um you know there's just um you know and the other thing that they do is you know we've noticed that the the boys will stay with their mums as long as possible. Um, mm. And we've got like a gilded boy, gilded boys who will not leave their mums. They just won't. <laughs> and, um, and, and they're a pair and, and uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just family. <clears throat> Families really means a lot to them. Mm. So just, just so many stories about how, just incredible they are and the you know the kindness and the compassion mm. and the way they take care of each other and watch out for each other and how they never forget each other and how they've got minds of their own <laughs> you know just just brilliant um i'm just learnt so much and it's mm. really i stop writing immediately and that was the final straw for me that I just when they came there's just you just realize how much damage is done to a domestic horse mm. um and to let them be free you know domestic horses are total slaves and um I was sensing that more and more and more and getting more and more uncomfortable and only wanting to you know ride bareback and bridleless and just you know, letting them do their own thing and, um, you know, it just it just felt like it was ruder and ruder. So, <laughs> um, but when the wild horses came, I totally understood why I felt like that. Hmm. So, um, I was going to ask, if you mix, <clears throat> if you put domestic horses in with Brumbies, do they understand each other? Oh, yeah, totally. They do? Yeah, we had... Um, we had some thoroughbreds 
um, because we, we rescued a lot of racehorses at, at one point. And so we had these thoroughbreds um, and they used to love running with the Brombies. They, the wildness would, would um, rub off and they mm -hmm. would, um, you know, just charge around with them and I don't know, they, and they loved it. They loved mm -hmm. it and uh, it, was, it was a highlight for them, so... Yeah, they really loved it, and they were accepted and into the herd, and right. so yeah, they were that they were really special. Hmm. I'm glad and, they didn't and, lose their skills to be a horse. No, hmm. it's just what, it's just what we do to them, and like the human centric position that people have, um, you know, through living with wild animals this way, I've um, dropped all my human centricity. <laughs> And um, uh, so I, and that's what I teach now. Um, I, I teach their point of view. I've written um, books about it and I've got another one coming out very soon um, mm. just to help people understand from the animal's point of view. Um, it's, it's really, you know, what, what we do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he likes that. Chihuahua. <laughs> Freya, 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 stop. I don't know. She probably oh, sees a bird in the backyard or something. Okay. The um the cows also have a, an interesting society. We had mm -hmm. we did a big rescue of. Um, uh, we've got 80, 84 cows at the moment, but we did a big rescue of thirteen at one point, or f no seventeen, seventeen cows. And I think 15 of them had babies. Um, we didn't know that they were pregnant at the time, but mm. <laughs> we soon found out. Surprise. <laughs> uh, surprise, yeah. Um, but it was beautiful because we learnt how they take care of their babies and what they'll do is, is they'll go away, um, you know, for the first 24 hours and then introduce the baby to the herd um, and then uh, all the mums will get together and decide um, who's going to be nanny for the day. And you'll <laughs> see one nanny cow with a whole lot <coughs> of little babies. Really? And, um, and everyone else goes off um, and goes off for a walk, <laughs> goes grazing. Does nanny cow um, feed them as well or just babysit? No, they, they come home, they get fed by mum. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know... <laughs> It's, it was really interesting and, and when during the drought when you know we were hand feeding uh, so much and they'd all see the car and just come charging towards you and always at the rear end would be nanny cow with the babies <laughs> and so we'd always have to make sure that we left plenty of hay for nanny <laughs> the babies um, and and it was and it's interesting because we're the only ones around here and we're in a farming community um, who've got steers because the steers are mm. usually the ones that go off. Um, yeah. And uh, do Meat. things that we don't want to talk about. And yep. um, <coughs> the, uh, so the steers here, so I, I wanted to see where the steers fitted into um, cow society because mm. they're not bulls, they're steers. 
and they're fantastic uncles. They really fit in. They're companions, they're uncles. Um, they're very protective. Um, and the cows are really protective of their young, um, which makes it even more tragic when you understand what happens to the young. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when people say that it's okay what we do, it's not okay. Um, it's not okay at all. It just causes so much heartbreak, and um, you know, it's and it's interesting. I I saw a cow lying down. It was during the drought, and I thought, oh, you know, I hope that one's not in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I wandered over, and immediately um, the cows started to move around. And he he was a young one. He was a baby, and um, he sat up. He was fine. <laughs> Um, but I saw them all coming and the, the energy had shifted and, um, and they were prepared, you know, it doesn't matter if I fed them or I was someone they could trust. If I was going to hurt that baby, they were going to charge me. Mm-hmm. And so I said to them, hey, you know, it's okay. And it was interesting, this big, huge, great big steer was coming towards me. And I said, it's okay, um, you know, we're going to keep this little boy forever, he's safe. And, and look at, um, you know, I, I can't remember his name, but um, and I called him by name and uh, I said, you know, look, look at him and look at Jefferson and look at all these other guys. They're all here. I'm not going to be taking this one away. It's okay. You are safe and at peace forever. And you could feel the tension go. And, and you know, you just keep telling them you're safe, you're safe, you're okay, you're okay, it's okay. And I said, it doesn't matter that we've got the drought. And and to add a layer to their tension was the fact that all the farmers around me had gotten rid of their animals um, and they'd seen that and felt that mm. and, and knew that. And they must have been worried that we would. And, and I said, don't worry, it doesn't matter how tough it gets, we're not giving up on you. You're going to stay here. You know, this huge, great big bloke came, pushed his way from the back and licked me on the hand. <laughs> and again, that amazing heart experience of being thanked, having gratitude and just this heart exchange of love. Um, and they all relaxed then and... And everything was fine. Yeah, but yeah, just their society is incredible. And and some of them, I'll never forget. Um, uh, we got some of them from the farmer next door who was uh, retiring. And uh, but before he retired, he still had the mothers of these um, uh, ones that he gave us. Um, and and so they kept going back there and we'd get a call from him, come and get your cows. And, you know, so we'd have to um, come and get them. And one time, you know, they'd been over there for, you know, a, a week or, or so um, <laughs> and we, we hadn't actually realised um, because we have a lot of cows and... Uh, we we got the call. Hey, your cows are here, and because they're steers, they stick out. 
Um, and so we went and got them and we put them back in the paddock where the others were. The others, and we've got really big paddocks, the others mm -hmm. came from miles. As soon as these guys came back, it was incredible. The reunion <laughs> was, that only been away a week, the reunion was incredible, absolutely incredible. The, the love that they have for each other is mm -hmm. just profound. And we got that on film, not very mm. good, just on the phone, but we put that up on our YouTube channel because we, we were blown away just at how much depth of feeling. And they were all screaming, you know, <laughs> moo, moo, oh, there you are, there you are, we missed you. And then there was an, another uh, cow called Teddy who'd gone with the girls to try and um, meet with a boy next door, but there was no boy next door. Um, and the girls all came back and Teddy got stuck. And every time we went over, he'd get nervous and it was really hard. And so the neighbor said, oh, well, we'll bring him back um, in the truck. Mm. And I didn't realize what they meant. The truck. Mm. The truck. And so what, what we did uh, was put all our cows at the time in the yards so that when Teddy came home, one, he'd know he was home and two, he'd have family. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were all waiting for him. And then they um, they brought him back. I, I've never seen anyone so terrified. His eyes were just wild, wide. And he didn't know where he'd come. And they, they didn't bring him during the day like they said they would. They brought him at night. And, um, you know, that was nothing on them. It was just the way the day worked out. But that poor guy, you know, he'd, he'd watched all his friends from next door go to where we don't want people to go. And um, he was left in the truck and... Um, anyway, he, he, he came back and he was so freaked out. He didn't even realize that, that these people were his friends mm -hmm. and family. And he just dashed out and I thought, oh, there he goes. <laughs> He's gone. Um, and then he calmed down when he, you know, he realized that he was home and, uh, we found him the next morning, just standing outside the yards next to all his friends. And um, and then he lived happily ever after and never wandered again. Never. Oh. The girls asked him to go. He would not go. No way. Never again am I going to go through that. So, yeah, so they really uh, – and the other story that was really striking was we had to get the boys dissexed. Mm -hmm. And uh, by that time, you know, the boys who were getting to sex, the mothers had lived on that particular property and, and, and we bought that property so that we had room for them. Um, and it just so happened that the farmer was retiring, so we got his his 17 cows. Mm -hmm. um, and consequently, 
now we need more room <laughs> because they were all pregnant. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we weren't going to let them go and we wanted them to have their last children and have that experience of uh, being able to keep a child and mm. not have them taken away. But we did have to get the boys desexed. And so we got the vet out and um, we were bringing them all into the yards. Not our yards, but their yards. Mm. And they had associations with the yards. Mm. And so we had these 13 young cows and you could just see the mothers going, go. They bunched together and they took off into the bush. Gone. Just gone. And we realised that they had really bad associations and the mothers thought that we were stealing their children once again. And so we spent the next six months um, with our original cows going into the yards, feeding them prime loosen hay in the yards. <laughs> um, so it's safe again, yeah. So that they would understand that the yards weren't going to be a terrible thing. So that by the time um, it, we got the vet out again, they um, were very calm. But But it happened two or three times before then, you know, that they'd just bunch up and take off so I was like right okay well. did you get them all back oh yeah okay. yeah they were just they were still on our property but, oh okay right but um it just showed me again I mean I'm a very long-term vegan so you know I wasn't gonna hurt them anyway but um it just showed me how profoundly and how intelligent how profoundly they feel about it and how intelligent they are and how they would do anything to stop those kids getting killed. So, yeah, there's just such a lot to learn about cows and horses and sheep society and, and how they are and how they are in reality. And, you know, people say, oh, but they've got this nice life just grazing. Um, and it's not true at all if you go to other farms and then you come to our sanctuary um, our place palpates peace and that's why we call it a place of peace mm -hmm. because you know i mean even you know burly people who are in the industry can feel it you know they go oh this is a cozy place or gee it feels peaceful here or oh wow you know it just feels different mm -hmm. and it's because the animals are at peace mm -hmm. so you know we're you know, that's another part of our work is to really, you know, try and encourage other humans to take the pressure off animals and and let them live their, their natural lives. Do you ever um, rehome any of your pets, any of your animals, to like other people who believe the similar things that you do? Um, we rehome before they get here. If they get here, it's mm. because they're supposed to be here. Okay. Uh, or they need to be here for some other reason or, mm. um, you know, yeah. So, yeah, once they get here, no. 
But we've done a ton of rehoming, um, uh, you know, in the in the past. Well, still, really, mm. um, we get a lot of calls and 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 for help. I mean, because I've been doing this for so long, and and because I've got different skills in healing and understanding their emotional needs i am um, i do a lot of work that way to re rehabilitate animals and um help them settle in with their new people and that mm. sort of thing so what um what animals have you um helped doing that so horses sheep cows mm. any oh. other interesting ones geese cats, <laughs> cats dogs, dogs. <laughs> yeah any oh. other interesting ones um well, the native animals. <laughs> uh, we we had um, alpacas once. Oh yeah. Long time ago, and uh, I um, have rehomed alpacas. They're lovely animals. Um, really interesting. Mm. So yes, you know, just that. I think what people really need to know is that all these animals are very much like us. We're all animals in that, you know, we we feel the same, we love, we cry, we mourn, we grieve, we feel terror, we feel pain, um, and we feel joyous, and mm. we feel protective and defensive. <clears throat> all those feelings are right across the board and... You know, I think you know a lot of the work we do is keeping animals in families and trying to encourage people to keep animals in families. So mm. um, it's just more healthy for them. Um, you know, I think you know people say, oh, you know, cats can stay alone and all this sort of thing. Well, yeah, they can, but you know, we've got animal families here, and to see them snuggling up to each other, you know, when mm -hmm. they're four, five, six, seven. You know, because that's how they feel comfortable, and because they love each other. Oh, oh, mm -hmm. Our first wild cat that we um, that we trapped um, actually gave birth in our shed, and we trapped her and the kittens and brought them in. And um, you know, rehabilitated them. They uh, actually adopted another little wild cat who we also um uh as soon as he saw mama cat uh he was fine he just and and she just adopted him and brought him into the family and he's just like one of them now um but when she passed i'll never forget it we we're all on our daughter's bed um the mama with all her kids and mm -hmm. Angus who is her kid um, and it was just so beautiful because they all just stayed with her until she crossed over and Angus mm -hmm. purred her um, through her passing mm -hmm. and it was so peaceful and so beautiful it's just amazing did they all know she was passing, do you think? Oh, yeah. 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 
I mean, if we know, they know. Because mm. we're, you know, quite frankly, humans are not as bright <laughs> as animals, other animals. We think we are. We think we're intellectually superior. But um, I think that, you know, when we look beyond the surface, um, you'll see that they've got a spirituality and um, a deep connection to, you know, country, uh, to the land. They live, you know, as I've said in, in my n newest book, um, the book's called What the Animals Want You to Know. And one of the things that I've pointed out is that, you know, they live here. We're taking over their home and making it more difficult for them. But, you know, they, they we build houses because we need protection from the elements. But they'll use the earth in a different way. They'll burrow or they'll, you know, shelter in little caves or under trees or, you know, they've got ways of living with this beautiful planet, which is different to us. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we have to honour that. You know, instead we, we call kangaroos pests and we shoot them and um, and they're not. They're absolutely yeah. linked to the earth and to the trees and to the other beings. And, um, and you know, going back to that story where I said the, the paddock with the wild horses, I just knew that we would be safe that dreadful day of the fires. There was a whole lot of kangaroos there and, you know, we formed, a, you know, a relationship. We're not buddy buddies, but I was feeding them because it was drought. And the day after the fires, I went to give um, Merlin and his herds, uh, his herd, um, their breakfast hay mm -hmm. and... This kangaroo mama and her baby, two of them, two mothers and babies, came right up to me, hugged each other and looked at me and then went off. And that was them saying thank you, you know, because they knew that we, you know, <coughs> we were keeping them safe. The fireys were there, you know, making sure that we were safe and, you know, oh, it was just in, in another incredible, magical interaction with, mm. with the wild. So, you can just yeah. picture it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it really was. Mm. And, you know, one of the others, you know, they're so human-like, really. Um, one of, there was this big male who was just so exhausted from running and escaping mm. the fire and he was you know he'd come to the dam um up the back of our place near, up in the mountain at our place and um and the first day I didn't want to scare him but I I brought him some food and I left it and um and just said you know here's some food I don't want to scare you I don't want to disturb you I'll just leave um and then the next day he saw me coming and he stood up and he was this huge, great big buck and he stood up and he held out his hands. He held out his hands for food. And I said, yep, it's okay. Here's some more. 
have some more food. Oh. Oh, it's just mm -hmm. incredible. You know, it's just so many wild experiences where you're, you know, when, when I teach, I say, you know, humans are meant to be in the forest, um, not the actual forest, but we're supposed to be a part of the natural world. And um, we've taken ourselves outside of the natural world and separated ourselves. And I think that this disconnection from the natural world is part of why we're so screwed up in our society and I think that uh, you know so what I try to do with my teachings is help people you know become more connected with um, uh, nature and animals mm -hmm. and there's some you know old indigenous ways of doing things where uh, you can find your way back in uh, to be accepted and to have you know beautiful experiences it's not you know that's open to all of us if we just know the way if we just know how um, we can go back and you know have these incredible exchanges and you know because life really isn't about buying shoes <laughs> it's not about material things it's about the meaningful experiences that we have and mm. and if we can hop down off our pedestal as um as humans thinking that we're top of the food chain and we're really intelligent um, we'd realize that they have um, a different intelligence that actually works better with mother earth and more in harmony and that we're not so intelligent because we're actually you know mucking up the world <laughs> instead of yeah destroying being, the place we live is not smart <laughs> yeah it's really not so <laughs> You know, if we learn to live, and, and I'm not saying that we have to all go back to living in humpies or, te you know, teepees or anything, although that's really cool too. Um, <laughs> but, but we need to learn to live more lightly and have different values. Mm. And I think it's a, a new set of values. Oh, now I'm starting to do it. Oh, no. <laughs> um I think it's a new set of values that we need to take going forward. And, you know, if we can take this time of huge interruption as a way to, you know, rethink how we are as humans mm. and how we want to um, live going forward, um, it could be a really good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's a good point. <laughs> Might as well rethink it now while we've got the chance. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, rethink it, yeah. reimagine how we could be. And and to me that, that includes things like, you know, why don't we have more wildlife corridors? Why don't we have more mm. wildlife bridges? Why don't we think of new housing escapes with wildlife, yes. you know, thinking about yeah. where the wildlife is going to go? I was just talking to a local mayor saying, like, why are the footpaths so close to the road and then you're trying to plant these huge trees there that are going to get cut down after they get any size because then it disturbs the road. Like, yeah. why have we done that? That's ridiculous. We need the big trees. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. The, exactly. The tree canopy idea in urban areas is good, but they actually have to plant it through. They can't just plant a bunch of saplings and then 
think you know, that chop them down when they get <laughs> annoying. Like, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the amount of times that we've had to, you know, as a community here in our small town to go and save trees. <laughs> it's just, mm. and, and, and so many beings live in them, you know. It's, yeah. um, you know, the, it's, it's really important um, mm. that we take care. We, you know, the word, the word that I like to bandy about and hope that it drops seeds is um, benevolent stewardship. Mm-hmm. If we can start become to become benevolent stewards, um, you know, I, I think you know something that's really upsetting me at the moment is is what's happening with the wild horses here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much propaganda against them, and it is propaganda. I live with eighty of them. I've lived with them for fifteen years. I know who they are and uh, and what damage they do, and it's not the damage. Yeah, they don't. They don't do what people say, you know. Mm. They just don't. Um, they're, you know, it's it, to have horses in the wild and say they don't belong there now after two hundred years is is really ridiculous. They play a very very important role, and it's been breaking my heart for, especially the last two years. Um, when we've had uh, a government here that's just been hell-bent on um, trying to eradicate them. And mm. now we've got a, a new management plan which um, uh, they think is uh, humane, is to aerial shoot and um, shoot them in traps. Um, and they're mm-hmm. saying that there's 14,000 when there's not, there's about 1,000 left. Okay. Um, and so... You know these magnificent, intelligent, sentient, higher conscious beings. Um, it's it's completely wrong, and so I'm involved with um, you know the people who are fighting that because I know the truth. They're they're not. They're amazing beings. <clears throat> In our place, you know, one of the things they say, oh, they're destroying the crawberry frog, and I'm going, no. If you do your research, the actual government, you know, is saying that the corroboree frog is dying of a fungus that was brought in by tourists. Mm. Um, the, and like we might not have the corroboree frog here, but our place after the rain was just deafening with frogs. We've got so many frogs, it's not funny. And I've got wild horses everywhere. So mm. it's it's not the horses. Um, it's But, you know, this propaganda is out there and I find it really, really distressing. Um, that people just believe it without doing their own research. So where should people listening to this go to to find out more about the Brumbies and the things you've talked about? Um, well, they can go to our website. I'm going to be putting up a lot of articles. Great. Um, and, and they can go, so that's deeppeacetrust.com. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some beautiful websites that people have done uh, I just don't have that, but I will put that on my website so that people can link to there. Um, it's just not in my head right at the moment. That's all right. I can, you can pass on the links and I'll put them in the show notes. For okay, that. that'd mm. be great. And um, yeah. <clears throat> there's also, you know, many Facebook groups, uh, Snowy Mountain, Brumby Action Group. Mm. Um, 
and lots of you know pro Brumby groups on Facebook. Um, there's um, you know we've got a, a YouTube video where uh, we I, I went out and filmed some of ours and Andrew just put it to the most moving moving music. Mm-hmm. And I'd been to a rally, so we put rally images and I don't know it just stirs the heart but it also Mm -hmm. helps you see these beautiful magnificent animals who are free and who are safe and and aren't worried Mm -hmm. you know so many so many domestic horses um particularly if they're in work um they often look really worried and people take the foals away too soon and and once you've seen how bonded they are and like I said you know, I've got, um, you know, like an eight-year-old he might be now. can't remember how old Galen is. And Beltane, you know, they're, they've been with their mums forever. And mm-hmm. even though they're gilded, they just, that's their herd. Their mum is their family. They won't mm-hmm. leave. Um, and... You know, it's it's really beautiful to see. So, yeah, we've we've got so much to learn about equines and the natural, you know, free living equines can really teach us so much. And mm. we're supposed to be a nation here who loves horses, but we just we just turn them all into slaves. And um, I think what's really sad for me is to, you know, people think they're doing the right thing by taking these wild horses out of the wild and then domesticating them um and some of them respond okay to that and particularly if they're in good hands and you know they they make great companions but others they just they just don't and they're the ones who end up at the knackers because they just love their wild life and who wouldn't um Mm. And so, you know, they're the ones who really should come to sanctuaries like ours mm. um, when um, they're allowed to run free. Yeah. Um, it's an hour and a half now, so I think I have to draw yeah. this to a close. But I did want to say that you um, would love some help for your shelter. How can people help you? Um, we really need donations. Um, mm-hmm. So there is... Um, on the website, a, a place to donate and to become a regular um, donor. Mm-hmm. Um, that really helps us do our work. Um, you know, it's it's important that we um, have a community that cares about the work that we do and and supports it financially because it is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, we we have a lot of animals. We have over five hundred animals who we're mm-hmm. feeding, and we get huge great big truckloads of hay and then there's vet bills and all sorts of things um from the caring that we do so Mm. um so that is uh uh, the main way that most people can can help um the other thing that we do is i i have a newsletter and i let people know when i'm doing classes because i donate all my fees to the sanctuary um, mm-hmm. again to make money for the sanctuary so um, and that's sort of like you know when people do the class they get to learn things um, and all the money goes to um, helping the sanctuary 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a couple of little things, and you know, and look into um, your book. Sorry, uh, should they be looking into getting your book as well? Do you think? Yes, yes. My book's called Secret Animal Business. Um, that's the first book I wrote about um, my life as an animal communicator, <laughs> um, and then um, now I'm writing. Uh, more books about living with these animals and uh, the book that's coming out next is called um, What the Animals Want You to Know Mm. and they're all available from the website or they will be. Fantastic. Well, I'll let you go now. Thank you so much for talking with me. Um, I hope that lots of people have learned lots of things throughout this conversation. It's been really um, quite a spiritual talk, a very calming talk. Mm. <laughs> absolutely you nailed it oh thank you so much for having me on it's been an honor oh, you're so welcome and i'll get everyone to check the links in the show notes so have a look guys great thank great. you so so much Nate. thank you okay bye bye-bye thank you for joining us everyone i really appreciate you listening I'm sorry about my coughing fits I kept having. Um, The editing is a little bit strange because of that. At one point I had to leave for five minutes to just cough and I wasn't as talkative as I normally am because I couldn't stop my eyes from watering. Um, It was pretty embarrassing but we got through it. Um, Please go and check out the website which I will be linking in the show notes and come and see me at Stolen Our Hearts on Facebook and come and find me on the Facebook group as well. Thank you so much and I'll talk to you next week.